Chops TV. You will be chopped. Know what that means? Licking my chops. Today I will show you how to do a karate chop. Simply saying, no, he doesn't have the chops to do what it takes. New thing. I'm busting chops. Welcome to Chops TV, featuring Jennifer Lopez. Now here's Chops. Yes, here is Chops. And Chops TV, I would say, had a pretty busy weekend overall. This is why it's important to, when you, especially when you subscribe to a bunch of different streaming services, just check them periodically because you don't know what always is going to be on there. And that's basically how we ran into the three main things we're going to talk about this week that we just were like, well, I wonder what's on here. First was me on Friday afternoon. I was like, I haven't looked at Peacock in a while. Maybe there's something on there I don't watch. Sometimes it's just a random thing, and I was like, I'll watch this again. A movie I've seen that I that I would be okay with watching because I got a lot of time in the afternoon. Instead, I came across a show that I had been interested in, but I wasn't sure if JLo was going to be interested in. I watched the first episode of Based on a True Story with Kaylee Cuoco and Chris Messina, and then I was like, ah, it's decent so then i went inside and asked you if you wanted to watch it and then we ended up watching the entire thing even though we were kind of surprised when it just ended after just eight episodes so based on a true story that's the first thing we watched we're also going to be going over one true loves and just a a few thoughts on renfield a little bit older on the release one but that finally came out on peacock so checking peacock did a lot for us this week but again starting with based on a true story i thought it was going to lean more into the podcast stuff, and that's probably my biggest complaint of it. Quick rundown for people who don't know, and I guess spoiler alerts as we go through it, but a couple meets a murderer, decides instead of turning him in, they're going to do a podcast with him to try to get rich. That's the simplest way to put it. But it's not what really what the show's about, in my opinion. And I don't know. I felt cheated from the idea of, of what they were giving. So now, welcoming in J-Lo, who's here waiting to talk. How you doing? I was I was going to let you do the intro, and I was going to jump in earlier, but then I said, let's see how long he goes before he acknowledges. I Well, I got to a point where it became pretty clear that you were not going to jump in. And I'm like, well, how much do you want me to talk? Is this going to be an entire <laughs> monologue? Uh yeah, based on true story. So I had really no idea what the show was about. And going into it, at least for the first episode, I was pretty convinced that this was a factual event, like a real event about like a serial killer and they made a podcast about it or something. Yeah, so it's then funny. when it's something called based on a true story that for once is not even <laughs> attempting to be based on a true yes, story. Absolutely fictional. Um, yeah, so once they're like, like bringing in the killer to do the podcast uh then i was like yeah i i hope to god this isn't a true story uh no i I thought it was good it definitely had had like the hook at the end of the first episode that made me interested to watch the other ones but then at some point along the line it diverted so much and like subverting expectations like makes really good mysteries and thrillers and stuff like that i think that's part of why i like knives out so much because it really subverted your expectations of what the actual movie was going to be but this for some reason i don't know why it went so far right that it kind of lost me 
a little bit. Not because I don't like to be wrong, which I don't, but because I felt like I was signing up for something that then this was turning into a whole different genre almost yeah and if the episodes weren't short enough the first one's like 40 45 minutes somewhere in that range and then the rest are between 25 and 30 minutes so they just kind of kept going and we were able to get it done in in the weekends time from friday to sunday afternoon but had it gotten to a point where we had to turn it off sunday i'm not sure if we would have turned it back on at least not this week i i don't know it like it started to lose me i was hooked at first Mm -hmm. and so i was ready to watch more because we watched more on saturday morning and then we we just felt like obligated to keep it going on Sunday. Yeah. And then we got all the way through it and we're like, okay. So we watched it all. Yeah, the 23-minute runtime for those episodes is really its saving grace, I think. That you can get through it, yeah, pretty quickly. And like, the yeah, there's enough of a hook at the end of it. Oddly, the cliffhanger at the end of the season was actually the one that I was like least interested yeah. in the next episode. So who knows when it's going to be, but... If it's successful enough, if it'll even get a second season. But yeah, it, when it ended, that last episode, and then it started to play Renfield, actually, is what yeah. is what <laughs> Peacock was trying to play for us. We were like, oh. <laughs> Kitty is also fed up. Just leave it in there. Why? Just leave it in there. Kitty has opinions. Are you trying to silence women? <laughs> Kit is allowed to. I I'm, I think silencing dogs is okay. Jeez, a West Side Ripper over here. Oh, wow. Look at you tying it back in. So I, I would say overall I liked it, but it's, a, it's just over the edge of liking it versus indifference. It's not bad or anything, but they, there's just... I just wished it, yeah, would have gone in that other direction. And like you said, sometimes going a different direction might get you, but it... Then it just felt like a show where somebody knows a murderer that like the, I don't know, I guess it's, is that conceited or anything that like the, the podcast angle did interest me, but I think just people are interested in podcasts in general now. And I don't think they hit it enough. No. The idea of making a true crime podcast with the actual murderer yeah. became the backseat of yeah. it yeah. and we just don't kind hear, of a framing device. We don't really hear anything of the podcast we don't really see them making the podcast it's mostly arguments about like what direction the podcast is going to take and then like him sort of assuming control of it becoming like the creative director in this sense Mm -hmm. holding them hostage instead of the other way around because he's a serial killer and they're like dumb suburban people um who think that they know what they're doing but one's a killer and they're like not i guess sort of his point was like He's got the killer in him, too, or you know what I mean? Like, how far are you going to go and whatever. But I also thought there was going to be more where, like, it was going to be a little bit more of a mystery of who the killer was or whether or not he was telling the truth. I think that could have been interesting. Yeah. Or if he was just playing them to try to make money off of, you know, exploiting the, the West Side Ripper and then exploiting this this married couple to basically fund a podcast while he's just essentially acting. And then that could have been funny if they found out like he was a, an aspiring actor. Obviously that's a completely different way for the show to go. But I thought that was after the first episode, I was like, Ooh, they're setting it up where you could have suspicion about multiple people. And then no, they just, it's this guy. Yeah. Also it back to my comment about like genre, almost shifting genre in every single episode. This happened multiple times an episode they would have like these weird fantasy bits 
where there was like an entire sequence of like a fantasy. And I think that can work when maybe it's limited to one character. So maybe you're exhibiting some sort of stress-related psychotic break or something. But it wasn't limited to one character. It wasn't even limited to fantasies completely. At one point, Chris Messina's character, it's it's just a dream. So it's an actual dream sequence instead of a fantasy sequence. There's also one where it might have been the dog's fantasy. Yeah, literally dog POV of him killing his owner. Well, I don't know if he was dead. He was just very, very harshly burned. But then later, I also don't think the Trigger the show warning, yeah. was either it was not dark enough or slapstick enough for them to get away cleanly with shooting a dog. Yeah, that people that doesn't sit right with people. Doesn't sit right with me. And I, then was, nothing happened to the guy. Everyone was just like, "Oh, someone's crashing your party." It's a guy that killed a dog. Yeah, he killed Why a dog no and pointed a gun at somebody else yeah. at, right after killing the dog. Like. I rich people, I guess, that can do whatever they want. That's fucking strange. It was also whiplash in that moment because they had done pretty good, like, comedic fodder with the dog about, yeah, about him. How it, oh, we should get the dog back. Oh, it's, it's not safe for him here. And then it it's turns our out. dog. You killed my dog. Yeah, yeah. It turns out it wasn't safe for him there. Yeah. So I don't think they were in the right realm to pull off that storyline. And I think that's. It's weird because was that episode good or not? I think, like, interpersonally character wise it wasn't bad but i think that's where it started to be like what exactly is this show for me where i don't know we finished it after that but that whole dinner party thing and then such a big deal with the with him and his wife's mistress or miss what's it called when it's a it's not a mister (laughs) yeah i don't know what a Um. male mistress (laughs) is uh a gigolo but you pay a gigolo uh, well, what do you call know. yours? <laughs> uh, sl- slutty slut boy. <laughs> oh, okay. You, sl- you, you slut. But yeah, so you get into that whole <laughs> get into that whole argument, and I'm not slut shaming here too. And then who doesn't like sluts? You have the you have that character, the wife, who's trying to like blackmail them, but also like, why doesn't she just turn them in right away? Because that it, it seems like what she eventually settles on, because she clearly doesn't need. To get involved, she's very yeah, so, rich herself. So part of the premise is that the wife, Kaylee Kalukalukalwa, I don't know how to pronounce her last Ava. name. Sure. She and her friends get together, you know, and have uh, like a true crime podcast friend group. So they're very interested in true crime. They listen to all the very popular podcasts. They're very into like solving murders and stuff like that. Um, So... She gets this idea because she, you know, kind of connects the dots that this guy who is her plumber, but like he starts down on their luck. They have to exchange plumbing services for tennis services, blah, blah, blah. The guy's really good at tennis. Um, He's the tennis pro at a local country club. Yes. Um, So they're spending more time together and then she connects the dots like, oh, this guy who we just met is the West Side Ripper. And then she gets the idea, well, we're so short for cash, basically, and I'm really good at this shit. Let's make money off of him and profit, basically, off of this guy's murders, or else we'll turn him in, basically. We'll blackmail him. But it also turns out they're not that 
good at it because he immediately takes over and is like, no, this is actually how we're going to produce this podcast and how we're going to do it. So your little setup was amateur hour. Yeah, he's just do that. Yeah, he's just enough of a narcissist, which to be a serial killer, I think that's definitely part of their like psychological makeup that he then is really into the thought of doing a podcast and profiting off of his murders because everybody else is. And is also, yeah, very upset when other people are profiting off of it by selling either merchandise with his West Side Ripper name on it or there's there's a lady who claims to be a survivor who decides that it's... He decides that that's not true. She's not a survivor. I would never leave a survivor, and he has to get revenge on that. So I think we're led to believe that he does throw that that girl off there, but they leave that as a mystery, but also not. Again, for something that's about like serial killers and true crime and a podcast that would kind of lay it out, and that's what all those podcasts are about, at least from my experience and the, you know, the true crime documentaries, is that they lead you a trail of breadcrumbs to maybe think one way, but never quite tell you exactly what's going on until the end and you know they have all the information or it's a cold case whatever i don't watch enough of them to know exactly how it goes but i know they don't just tell you and this one it feels like every time they led you down a track where you could maybe the show led you down a track where you could maybe think different things are possibly true versus what you're being shown explicitly no they then just go ahead and say no nah, it actually happened this well, way. well it seems like like a lot of the times with those kind of like podcasts or documentaries or stuff like that when it's like unsolved crimes um or like serial killers that haven't gotten caught they set up multiple people to be suspects so like a lot of the times like people will have theories about like who was the actual killer amongst the list of prime suspects and i thought maybe they were gonna go with that direction with it like all like our cast of characters might all be prime suspects because like overarchingly it seemed to be a commentary the whole like the whole show seemed to be a commentary about how like callous people are who are like really into true crime about like the actual like situational yeah like people are dead from these people things are, yes like that was what that whole convention was about mm-hmm to me like it's and then they have that discussion at the dinner party too where people are going like i don't know i think it's all just really creepy and then some people are like "Ah, i think it's great who knows if he's really the killer yeah it's like well if he's not the killer then it's bad either way then he's lying about it but more so like if like like people who are interested in in the topic of the show like just like the whole show in general they're like oh based on true story it's about podcast true crime like i like podcast true crime and blah 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 but like once you start watching it, it's almost like pointing a finger at the audience. Like, if you're this kind of person, like, it's kind of shitty. Like, they don't paint those people. Even, like, the girls, like, very casually just, like, getting together and listening to the podcast about it. They don't paint them in a very, like, nice light. Well, and they also, the two most famous podcasters who are the big people at the Crime Con or wherever when they go to Vegas, they're kind of painted as, like, almost vapid buffoonish in a way that like oh they're they're not to be Just, taken seriously and they're yeah they're milking it for a profit yeah and and you know like some of the criticisms are fair some of it's not it's but i, I, but I don't think they hit the more, nail on the head with what they're trying to say i was gonna say more more to the point i i don't think tonally then that like works you know what i mean because, yeah, the people who would be interested in the show would likely be people who are interested in actual true crime podcasts. Yeah. And, and so and to call those people out as, you know, basically like bad or and or stupid 
<laughs> well, yeah. then what audience are you trying to get? Yeah, but like, yeah. And then if you're going to make it funny, like they need to do, like I think the, the couple, the married couple it's either needs to be like way more buffoonish or it needs to be serious in order for like the messaging to be taken seriously. Right. That's what I was getting at with the dog thing is that yeah. like it doesn't lean enough into slapstick. Oh, these people are, this is almost like a cartoon world. Yeah. And it doesn't right. lean enough into the dark realities, even though they try to point it out, but it doesn't lean enough into the dark realities of what America's obsession with true crime documentaries yes. and podcasts really means. Right. And we don't really start to be introspective on that beyond the surface of like kind of making fun of the people who are fans of it. And then the eighth episode just does not feel like a finale. No. It's not set up like it's a finale. And now they're murderers, or at least like real accessories to murder. Yeah. As they hide a body at the end, spoiler alert. So I don't know. I also don't know if it takes that much to fix a crack in a tennis court. That was a very deep. I mean, he had to dig more to put the body in there, but it was a very deep hole. And what kind of. Like, country club-ass place would not have working security cameras. He says they haven't been working for years. That's an insane claim. Yeah, I mean, they could have just added, like, a little bit more spice to it all. That Like, he had to go delete the camera footage or do something, you know, kind of work their way around security. Instead, yeah. he just waltzes right in there, digs a bigger hole than the hole that's already there and puts it there. Wouldn't the construction workers notice, like, you know, loose dirt looks different than old packed-down dirt? Yeah. Wouldn't the guys about to fill the hole, like, be like... Did somebody dig? Did you guys dig? Did we dig more yesterday? Like maybe the maybe the like finale setup was in the misdirection of it was going to be um, Chris Messina's coworker mm-hmm. or boss who the Ripper ends up dating, sort of like as an alibi kind of. I wonder if like because they were setting that up to be her who gets killed. But it's obviously never going to be here. It's obviously always going to be the friend who finds the burner phone and Ruby and tries to blackmail them into letting her into the podcast. But also maybe turning them in at the same time. Yeah. Pick a lane on that one, lady. Yeah. And she lost. Yeah. And that, but the misdirect didn't work because I always, I mean, it's kind of clear that it's always going to be her. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's like worth the watch maybe i don't know i don't even know if i would recommend i was I gonna mean, it probably recommend only it. takes you three and a half hours or so to watch it but i was gonna recommend it to our friend who is really into like uh like suspense murder thriller novels but i don't know if she'll like it no and i don't know who the show is for i don't know if there's enough murder and i don't know if there's enough like Gary, I don't know. Yeah, and then for my interest, there wasn't enough of the podcast angle like that. Completely unbiased, but there needs to be more podcasting. (laughs) Well, I was interested in like how they would like try to frame that and how they would try to do it. And it just turns out everybody loves the idea of hearing from somebody who says they're this serial killer, which is how do you know? Like that's not identifiable. He could just be saying stuff, but apparently it blows up and then they get canceled by Jessica Alba. That was fun. Yeah. And also at one point they have a, they're like trying to serialize the serial killer podcast and he's like having a Zoom chat with oh. other serial killers. Like and they like, have some sort of social network amongst themselves. Yeah. Like give me, give me your sob story and we'll pick one to do next season on 
based on a true story. I wouldn't buy the $4,000 toilet, even though it looks very nice. That was the most realistic thing about the show. Was like in Los Angeles, they go to buy a toilet and the lady starts with the $4,000 built-in yes. bidet seat warmer one? Correct. Yeah. Something that's not realistic at all is a movie you put on uh, Sunday morning and I came downstairs and you're like, oh, I just started this. You've got to see this. I go, what is it? And you go, a really bad movie. So here's the thing about me is that you like to cure hangovers whatever way you like to cure them. <laughs> okay. Me, for, for me, I enjoy waking up before you do, usually take care of Kitty because Sunday is my morning day to take care of her. So I'll go downstairs and I'll put on a cheesy rom-com type, you know, girly falls in love with boy, whatever, a la Bridgerton, a la fucking all all the summer boys who ever loved before, all that. But yeah, more into the romance side of more the rom-com. Because I like a good yes. rom-com, but you're talking, yeah, the ones that are a little more romance, but not quite as serious as, say, a notebook. Right, right. Something a little more lighthearted. My drunk little brain can still enjoy and appreciate. So... I do this. I pick one. I find, oh, this other book by Taylor Jenkins Reid. We talked about another one of her properties on the show, Daisy Jones and the Six. Well, she has written many novels, and one of those other novels is called One True Loves. In this novel, the premise is that we meet a girl, Emma, I think her name is. Emma or Emily, something like that. Emma, yes. Emma. So we meet Emma. She is a widow. Because her husband got lost at sea. They're, they were both like globetrotting people. Um, he went went on this Antarctica National Geographic bullshit trip. Got lost like at sea. was a photographer, documentarian yeah. type deal. Yeah. yeah. Got lost at sea. Presumed dead. Blah, blah, blah. Three years later. Three or four years later, I guess, in the film. It picks up. And she's recently engaged to her Sam. to her high school best friend when she gets a phone call from her dead husband i'm here i'm home i'm alive basically. was that really who i i didn't remember that the phone call was actually specifically from him yes like no you can't do it that way i don't even think the officials would allow you to do it that way yes i think somebody would go to her no but... probably not I don't know. I don't know. A guy. Can you imagine been, no, getting a call no, 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 from no, no, no. a dead person? Somebody exactly. you thought was dead to the point where you're getting remarried enough. Like you've moved on that much. And then yeah, like, no, I, yeah. I don't think, I don't think that guy is, I mean, the movie Castaway exists. He doesn't just get a phone when they find him. Castaway is a much better movie than One True Love, okay. by the way. So, oh, so, okay. Now back to me being drunk on the couch, even in my drunken stupor, mean mind you it's like 7 30 a.m i can tell that this is going to be a terrible film that mark needs to watch well luckily enough for me i hear rustling upstairs don't 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 what are you doing it's, okay yeah what's going what are you watching i said a really bad movie and you need to watch it with me and why i say a really bad movie out the gate the editing was atrocious from the opening scene. That was by far the worst part of the movie. It was... Just the editing in general. It was so horrible that even I was confused to what was happening. And I had read the book. 
not that long ago. And I was like, what is going, is this the right movie? What's going on here? And that's a theme throughout it because there's a lot of, because of these people knew each other in high school and she was married once and then this guy went missing and then meets this guy. And so there's a lot of, it's not even fully flashbacks because while there is a modern time, the the furthest point of, that you can go in the timeline, it's not always flashbacks. Sometimes it's at different, sometimes it's from a flashback to forward, but not all the way in present. And it's, the, it's impossible. It was impossible for me throughout the whole movie to know, unless it was the different actors they had for the high schoolers, yes. to know which time period we were actually in for like the beginning of entering a scene and then go, okay, this character's here and there and there. That's where we're at. But yeah. it, it should be clear when you're watching a movie like this. Yeah. Ultimately, ultimately, that was why the film was as bad as it was. It could have easily been like a very good, passable like straight to streaming type Sunday movie. afternoon flick, right? Yeah. Very easily could have been like a good Hallmark movie. But it wasn't it, the some of the all the parts of it were good. They had real like they they had a really decent cast actually. The guys are this Luke Bracy guy who is in every so romantic movie that we watch nowadays it feels like. Smoking Hot. Simu Hot. Liu. Who Want is to touch the hiney. Shang-Chi in the, in the Marvel movie. Funny. Very, like a comedic relief kind of role, but it works for, it works for the plot of the movie. And then the girl was Philippa Sue, who I, I would say she's getting close to like, I know that girl. Yeah. She, she's I'm, close to she's that. A, she's in a lot of things. And a pretty decent actor too. Uh, yeah. And there were scenes where they did a good job acting. But then it was either edited wrong or it was like, what but then, is the yeah, point of this yeah. dialogue? But then we flash forward or f- I guess flash back to nothing really during like very like the it was most striking to me. The the poor editing choices when we meet. Well, when we when uh, what's his name? The husband, dead husband. Jesse. Alive. Jesse. Jesse. They get into an argument because blah, blah, blah. He's been dead. He doesn't have a license. He ends up driving without the license because he's a risk taker. And she's she used to be a risk taker. Now she's not so much a risk taker, obviously, because she's been traumatized by the death of her fucking husband in a helicopter in the middle of goddamn nowhere. It doesn't come up very often. But if you are pronounced dead, your driver's license goes away, even if you are then found to be alive. Well, they're no <laughs> longer married because he died. He was declared dead. Yeah, I guess. And that's a legal and thing, too. And dead people don't have licenses. But he's not dead. And if his license didn't expire but while he was gone, but he was gone like four years. Yeah. So it might have it might have reached expiration. But if it didn't, does it actually expire? Because you Those who have come back dead. from you have the to be... dead answer this question for me. <laughs> At underscore chops TV, please. You have to be unpronounced dead i guess like you i would imagine that he probably needs a death certificate probably does eliminate certain other documents you might need like a whole like new social security number and stuff like your shit gets closed out no yeah i don't know if they've ever started reissuing social security numbers now i don't know but logistically it sounds like a nightmare if i'm gonna die i'd rather just stay dead you'd have to get a whole new phone number too imagine that one god me trying to remember a phone number in this economy, I can't. Yeah, so you'd have to yeah, you'd have to learn a new your phone number. Yeah. I don't know how to learn a new phone number. How am I gonna do that? 
That is the hardest thing about this dying and coming back to life thing. Learning a new phone number. Besides like swimming back, that's the hardest part. It's remembering a phone number. Herein lies the problem. When a movie is bad, your mind starts to wander and question the internal logic of the movie. And that's kind of where we ended up throughout the whole watch. Yeah. So Jesse is at the lighthouse and uh, he finds a letter in the Jesse was dead box. Her basically momentum box of like their relationship and time together and stuff. So he finds the box. He finds the letter that she wrote to him as she was trying to emotionally process moving on. And here comes the most confusing flashback of the entire movie. So he gets the letter. From the point he gets the letter and starts to read it, there is about, I'm not kidding, 25 to 30 minutes worth of flashback where he randomly is interjected back in present time reading the letter again and then we go back to the flashback why it doesn't work editing wise and it's very so it's so simple in the book but it makes it visually it would have made so much more sense when just when we meet emma in the present day she has short hair jesse really liked her long hair and it made her think of him so she cut it off when we meet her she has short hair jesse says Oh, you cut your hair. Don't worry about it. You can just grow it back. Well, obviously, that's like sort of in that little like action of cutting your hair. That's like the whole emotional crux of the movie, uh, like the moral dilemma. Like, are uh-huh. you the same person you were when you met? Blah, blah, blah. But it also would have fucking helped with the flashbacks if she had long hair then and short hair in the present. Because well, when they went to that flashback, it's it, it's her in the beginning stages of getting over his death and getting right. over him. But it's a little unclear. It's like, wait, did they break up because he read the letter and thought that they weren't? And is she like re-getting over him and like rediscovering herself to see which boy she wants to take? It is it is confusing. Right. Eventually, you get it. it. There's enough context eventually. But it took a few minutes before I was like, oh, she doesn't want to read any books with love or death because she thinks the love of her life died. But when they first go to that part... I was like, well, it would also make sense right now that she doesn't want to read about love or death because she's dealing with a very complicated, you know, love triangle and also a very complicated not death that she thought was. Yes. No. So instead of instead of giving her short hair in the present day, they make this high school student wear the worst wig I've ever seen. I don't know if it's a wig. I got the IMDb page pulled up here and it might just be her hair. No, it's not. Don't tell me it's. Okay, here. I mean, you can take a look at it. Let's see. Oh, oh, that looks better though. It was not a good haircut for her. Forgive the the bangs and booms there as I was flipping my laptop around. <laughs> yeah, it was J-Lo. not good there. So yeah, I mean, and again. Well, and I asked I, you when you read it. I was like, "Was it clear?" And you were like, "It was clear in the book." And I was like, "How?" Like. Were the pages different colors? You didn't like that question, apparently. Apparently, that was a stupid question to ask. I don't read a lot of books. What did they put a did they put a sepia filter on the past <laughs> and they put regular pages in the present? Hey, you know that's actually after you make a run through of the movie, something you could simply very, do very easily could have done that. A lot of yeah TV film do when it's it's cheaper to do it that way put a filter Fine. on it they might you know do the edges where it's like kind of blurry like that one's kind of cliche but like it's clear at least when you see it yeah i was i was very unclear at what time we were yeah. at it multiple times in the movie so 
are there other critiques that I could have made about some of the relationships and where they put things in the movie and the pacing? Sure. It I is could have confusing. said all of that. Yeah. However, ultimately, the worst thing about this movie is the editing and it cannot escape that. No, and it is confusing too. And maybe if you're better with names, unlike me, but I would have, I would get confused reading it. I feel like for a period of time that when you put people in a love triangle, Emma, Jesse, and Sam are all three names that can also be a woman. And to me, oh. that would confuse me reading it for sometimes. No, you have I to be like. Constantly don't know names in books. You have to like actively read you can't passively read i mean I, you can but i guess if if, if names are going to trip you up then no you can't just passively read something <laughs> names trick me up in real life all the time names are hard anyway but that. again are these again uh, i said again 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 are these critiques fair Yes. yes. Did I preface this entire story by stating that I was already drunk from the previous at the previous night at 7 a.m. when I started the film? Yes. Both things can be true. And I don't want them held against me. Okay. That's fair. But it doesn't make the movie any better. The It was really frustrating because uh, the Sam character, Simulio's character... Had some funny scenes. He was like a music teacher. Had some funny scenes in there. And it's like they needed to linger for another beat or something. They just uh, oh my quite, God. They were so close to actually being good scenes. Yeah, it was so weird. Things just like ended abruptly or just like not long enough. It really was truly awful in that sense. But again, a lot of those, a lot of those bits were good. So I, I wouldn't not recommend it, but only if you... Only if you are drunk at 7.30 on a Sunday a.m. the specific instance when you should watch, what's it called? Or, One True Loves, which or, is also, I'm sorry, not a very good title. I get it. It's the book. I, if you like the book, too. And, I mean, Taylor Jenkin reads, like, they're going to make a lot of other movies and a lot of other shows about all her other books. So, if you need to skip this one, go ahead. But, again, Mr. Hunky from Down Under. He's in it. Oof, Luke he's so Gracie fine. Is his Ooh, name. his shirt's off. And there's again. Okay, one more thing. Besides the editing bit of it, the emotional crux of the movie is her trying to trying to figure out her feelings about Jesse and decide which if, life she wants to. Yeah. because her life is much more calm and settled down with the new fiance versus yes. globe trotting. Let's be a travel blogger life with her previous husband yes. Jesse. So part of that is trying to figure out what her relationship with Jesse looks like now in the present. She knows what it was. She loved and mourned the relationship that she had in the past, but what does that look for her now in the present to together? Well, this guy has been on a desert fucking island for 3 to 4 years. It has to be emotionally scarred by it, right? No, he's ready to get back in a helicopter right now. We only get like one sequence of him having like trauma flashbacks and that's it. We don't get a follow up from her like talk to me about it. Let's work through this together. And he's just like so emotionally unavailable and blocked off that he can't even he has to work on himself before he can really like progress in any kind of relationship with anybody like 
the emotional scarring that this man must have because he was legally dead. Yeah, but, the the most you get is when he first comes up and there's like reporters everywhere yeah. that like but honestly, the Sam character reacts adversely to the reporters in about the same way that he's just overwhelmed yeah. by the whole thing because it's obviously a huge human interest story. But you're right, like not only does he like go, "Oh, I want to drive. I want it to be normal." But like they act like they're just going on a normal weekend retreat to that cabin. Like Yeah. I don't know. There needed to be a scene where he felt kind of fish out of watery and like reacclimate. Like you can't do this, but instead he's the one who orders when they go up to the food truck. Like little details like that make a difference. No, him ordering at the food truck isn't something that like sticks in your head as like, oh, that that's weird. But like if you take that scene and do it a different way, you can give more characterization to what he's going through as he's coming back. Yes, and it's a big part of why they can't work together in the present. It's him having to deal with all this emotional fucking baggage. So I think she makes the right choice that her life has changed enough and well, yeah, you can't go back and she sticks with her now fiance who has loved her ever since high school. You ever heard that in one of these movies before? <laughs> well, it was weird too because like she's pretty callous about it. Like, his feelings about her in high school, like, openly admits, like, oh, yeah, he probably is, like, in love with me low-key, but it's not like that, blah, blah, blah. In the book, it's much more ambiguous. Like, he's a little bit older than she is, and he's shy, but they end up growing close because he works at the bookshop. So there was, like, a lot of other stuff there that could have been touched upon, again, for timing and for fuck, fuck all editing. I guess we... There's a there's a really good movie here that we'll never get to see, unfortunately. Yeah, through the flashbacks, you do understand why at that point, like, she falls for Sam. But there really is nothing to, like, what their relationship was before beyond they were at this party together mm-hmm. when oh. she first kind of had her first, like, ro- like romantic run-in with Jesse, yeah. I suppose. I, I also want to say this. That... Um, the only reason why he really is able to like make it back to civilization because he was an Olympic swimmer. Yeah. He was trained to be in the Olympics. Yes, he's a high level swimmer. I feel like I feel like in, well, I, in a that segment, wasn't why he was able to get back to civilization. I think that was why he was able to survive. Yeah, yeah. He was able to swim to a deserted island yeah. and then live off the island. Which we get did we get like one glimpse of it? There's Barely. like one half scene of yeah. him on the island. But Castaway, it is not. Once again, Castaway, better movie. Watch Castaway. I just wanted to prep. I just wanted to end that uh, on a segment about coming back from the dead, how that was possible. Because if you are brought the life force of innocent people, you might be able to come back from the dead if you are a vampire, which is a big plot point in the movie Renfield. That was a pretty good transition. It wasn't the worst one for sure. I thought that's what you were going for. No, I just, I, it was a, he was able to survive because he was trained to be an Olympian, period. Now, let's talk about Runfield. <laughs> All right. It was not a transition on my part. <sighs> this is why I don't work for radio, though. This is why you work for radio. The The selling point of Renfield is the best part of Renfield. Nicolas Cage is Dracula. It's great. It's fun. He's, he's yeah. Nicolas Cage. He gets to do as much Nicolas cage things as he wants. He was totally in on 
prosthetics, which you don't get from the previews. Like, yeah, he's got like the Dracula makeup yeah. on, but like he had he came back from a completely burnt up corpse because he got caught in the sunlight, and there he's trying to bring him back to full power uh, for most of the movie. And there are like three or four scenes where you see him as he's coming back, and it's kind of fly like David Cronenberg esque, where like yeah. things are falling off, but he's getting better instead of worse. But still, there. I mean, it's a little gross. The the first time he goes back to him in New Orleans and his like face is kind of coming back together and you can see that his jaw is like hanging off, but he's got this like cheek yeah. hanging off that's like moving. It's pretty good prosthetics. Like it's not moving because it's not put on well, which well, sometimes it's, happens. It's actual, movies. right? It, 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 it's not like CGI prosthetics. Yeah, you no, know? he is. He's got all this on. And to me, that was actually, like I said, Nicolas Cage himself is probably the highlight of the movie, but... And a nice that thing stuff's that they, pretty gross, but in a fun way. A nice thing that they kept out of the trailer, too. I hate when they blow their load, all of it, mm-hmm. in the in the trailer. And you, you leave nothing for to be surprised about in the movie. So that was like a nice surprise, like how much like body horror there was in this. Yeah, and not just with Dracula, but the, uh, the violence is so over the top yeah. with like exploding bodies of blood and guts going everywhere. Yeah, at it, one point, like, Dracula turns into smoke or mist and goes into someone and explodes them from the inside out. That's kind of cool. And uh, Renfield is, like, pulling people's arms off and stuff. So, yeah. I Overall, I, I enjoyed it. Again, and I th- I think this is true. I, I, I've yet to really be proven wrong on this from my own personal opinion. You can like action comedies all you want. But they get bogged down in the final like half an hour as they have to bring everything together and solve their stories and tie up all the loose ends that the comedy goes away and then it's all the action and it's fine. But we had already seen so many scenes of Renfield tearing people up and all these people that are super strong and blood and guts everywhere that it's like okay i've seen this and when the comedy drops out it's like yeah this movie didn't sell me on its action premise and so they always they always lose me there at the end a little bit i think my biggest problem with it was that like i didn't realize that it was supposed to be like a dirty cops kind of like yeah, I had no idea you know that from I mean? the trailer. Um, I also, Not even I don't... the trailer, from the movie. Like, I didn't get from the movie that, like, that the crime family or whatever was being basically, like, covered by the cops because they have all these dirty cops in their pocket. Well, Aquafina like, called it out a few times. Her character did. I know, but I thought it was more of, like, a casual throwaway thing because there are always dirty cops in these fucking movies, so... Yeah, but you're right. That becomes like, I mean, like the entire New Orleans the Police whole, Department. The whole third like, act is it being about dirty cops. Does it not get sold because this is a trend I'm seeing? I don't think people in Hollywood know how to cast Aquafina, but they want to. They want Aquafina to be in all the movies so fucking bad. And I think she can be a good performer and she can be funny, but like she's a very specific type of actress. Yeah. And cop, no, I'm not sold. I'm not sold like best cop ever who's like beating up people and like really wants to do the force right. Like I just I don't see that from her. It did. It did feel like a little bit of a miscast. And I don't know if because like once they got into the script, like they realized it was like a funny character and they thought maybe they thought that they needed like a comedian to carry like the comedic bits of the film that like. That. But they already get that from John Ralphio, who plays the son of yeah. the... Yeah, and Nicholas Holt is fucking funny. 
like it's like more subversive humor in this case because he just Renfield strikes me is, as like classically trained Shakespearean actor. I I don't know but that, but that's funny. I would guess. Well, yeah. Well, those guys are funny. Shakespeare is yeah. funny. Yeah. Put that on a fucking mug. Yeah. Shakespeare is funny. So the movie does have its parts. I like the 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 support group whole thing. Um, that joke's in the trailer, but when he he welcomes Dracula in, that's pretty funny. I know, and I. It, Again, it's my fault because, like, maybe I just expect too much from, like, movies or something. But, like, tonally, I probably should have just seen it coming after he literally impaled a guy with his own arm through a metal door. But, like, the bones, like, the structural integrity, like, there's just no way. But that the fact that they all got brought to life at the end of the movie. So it's like, okay, so we're giving Renfield, like, emotional stakes to, like conquer his demon like his you know literal and metaphorical demons about mm-hmm. you know like control and abuse and all that shit only to just bring back everybody well dracula's anyway? blood can heal him so they just bring a picture of dracula's blood and also like i guess i thought about this after the movie and i was like well i suppose all of the cops in the movie were busy and so they didn't because they were all doing crime so nobody <laughs> like the way they frame it is like he literally brings a Dracula blood back and gives it to a pile of dead bodies in that yeah. like gym. And then it's just like, oh, they're all back. We don't need to write about that. Or, you know, write up reports or there was nobody like yeah. putting those bodies together. No coroner's office was there. Now, all that is to say. I Not did, that it has to be that realistic. I was going to say, I did like it. Yeah. I just don't like that they emotionally undercut it by bringing everyone back at the end. I think it could have easily been just fine having a new support group. I thought that's what was going to happen. He finds a new support group and he tries to then lead other people who are in controlling abusive relationships like out of the darkness into the light, all that kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. But no, it's literally just everybody. They didn't want to cast other actors. The manipulative narcissistic writing for Dracula was really good. It was really good. Like you can like that... see it as like the abusive abusive relationship yes. like type things that he's saying. Yeah, there, all yeah. that stuff was really good. And even how like he you know is like apologetic to him and it's a it's it's a very good um artistic way of handling that sort of like emotional trauma and like overcoming that like kind of very like like caging abuse like Mm -hmm. almost where like you feel like it's impossible to fight back because it's like your whole life and it's all you know and yeah i thought that that stuff also was strong enough that they didn't need the whole cop mob family yeah i i would have even been okay if we had like a first act of the movie where they were in a different city before he had to travel to you know, the new place where they go, where he finds a support group. So you could have seen like some of where he's yeah fully being manipulated by Dracula. And then he starts to kind of learn that, oh, I can stand up to this from the support group. But the, you know, I don't know, last two thirds of the movie are all about the crime yeah. family and how that even like gels together. Even like ultimately being okay with like accepting that you are like a codependent person. I thought that was like a really nice take on it. Like you don't have to become this like, badass boss bitch who then is like a dominant personality and blah 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 what was their phrase i i am enough and i have enough that was like the mantra of the group yeah Yeah. and that's that's a great 
that's a great thing to take away from shop at old navy get some sweaters that make you feel good that's a good life lesson (laughs) i'm not being paid by old navy but i will i would accept it so if mr old navy is listening yeah just throw some threads my way throw some threads my way see that's even a cool thing you could say in say an old navy ad possibly if this was which it isn't Right now, uh, not a Peacock ad, but you could watch Renfield on Peacock for the time being. It's on there. Um, let us know if you found any uh, hidden gems that are like, oh, this is all of a sudden on some sort of streaming service. Especially, and again, I, I, I will let you know that it is important to check these streaming services that you're paying for or else yeah. you'll just miss out on things Prime that come Video, out. too, has some sneaky, sneaky hits. You never know what's going to show up. So if you have any of those that yeah. you think we'd be interested Except- in. Except... Netflix, because fuck Netflix, because we don't have it right now. No, because we don't live with my parents. Maybe we should move with my parents just so we can keep Netflix. Which is a shame, because I didn't finish Kunk on Earth. Mm-mm. No, we didn't. So, yeah, if you have what any of those hidden watch? gems, you can hit us up at underscore Chops TV on Twitter. I really haven't processed us not having Netflix. This is starting to piss me off. Yeah, well, the good news is we're going to see two movies in the next few days, and that will be probably what we cover next week in Elemental and Asteroid City. Also, Righteous Gemstones comes back. What We Do in the Shadows. What We Do in the Shadows is coming back. Mm -hmm. The Bear is also coming back on the 22nd. And Outlander. I don't care about Outlander. New York City. Yeah, but so there's going to be a lot to cover on Chops TV, so... Stick around, stay tuned. Yeah, I'm Chops. Drop that like button, hit subscribe. Exactly. Drop that like button. (laughs) What is it? Smash smash that like button? Smash that like button, hit subscribe, drop a comment in the chat. This is where you say I'm JLo because you get mad when I don't let you say it at the end and then you didn't say it. Oh, well, sorry, do it one more time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, you want me to go first? I'm JLo. Don't cut that out. Chops TV is made possible by people who subscribe to podcasts and viewers like you.